dad finished the line, love and marriage. They go together like a horse and carriage. Uh, that, was a, that was like the intro to a, to a sitcom, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was a great sitcom. I just remember hearing the song. Uh, I can't remember the name of it anymore yeah, now. But. That's right. I'm sure we'll get texts now about it old, what it was. It was an old song, though. It goes yeah. back, I think, into the 30s, 40s. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's what Jesus wants to talk about today, mm-hmm. love and marriage. Specifically, what about divorce? It's a big discussion mm-hmm. in Christian circles, and Jesus gets into it today in Mark chapter 10. You're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott, and I'll get started. Verse 1. Then Jesus left Capernaum and went down the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. Once again, crowds gathered around him, and as usual, he was teaching them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Which was, it was controversial in the day, and there were two schools of thought. There was the conservative and the liberal view, the Sadducee and the Pharisee view, those that held to the law said, no, you cannot divorce for any reason. And those that had a more of a liberal view said, no, you can divorce if there's uncleanness in your wife. But they, that uncleanness led to things like, well, if you miss, if, if she doesn't cook the meals well, or if she burns uh, the food, burns the bread or, you know, whatever they, and, and I'm not exaggerating here. They, they, anything could have been viewed as being unclean. So those are the yeah. two views. So Jesus says, well, what does Moses say in the law about divorce? Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, which is true. The law here was written to protect the woman because without a writing of divorcement, she was not legally able to marry anybody else. And so, yeah, and that was that was like that, that was earth shattering law at that mm-hmm. time because yeah. all other societies, a guy could kick his wife out and then she'd have to, a lot of times just go into prostitution. Yeah, there was no protection for the women yeah. in any of the other cultures. But God so was protecting women. It was different among the Jews in the Jewish law. But Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a, as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made the male and female from the beginning of creation. And by the way, that, that is, that's a biblical truth, male and female, those two genders, and that's it. That, I mean, biblically, if we are followers of Jesus, if we believe scripture, we have to acknowledge God created us male or female. We don't get to choose. In fact, it's a rejection of God's creation to say, no, I don't want to be a guy. I want to be a girl and try to change. That's that's rejecting God. And so the, a major aspect of our worship is being uh, grateful for the way he created us. So anyway, he says, you're created as male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother um, and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one since they are no longer two, but one And let no one split apart what God has joined together. So he says, we, we don't have, we, we can't divide what God's put together. We don't have that right to just decide that we can divorce when we want to later when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought the subject again. And he told them whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. Now, Mark is summarizing here because yes. there was more said. Matthew brings up the same conversation, and he includes in there that Jesus said, except for the case of sexual immorality. So when there was yeah. sexual immorality within the marriage, that that the vows were broken then by that person, and then they were permitted. sexual mor- immorality. Yes, we would say um, that. I, I've, I've, I've seen women where it's like, and guys too, but yeah. like, it's like, you know, I, well, I want a divorce, but I'm just going to point at my spouse's pornography use that they're trying to clean up. It's like, well, no, no, no. If, if they're repentant, we can't, that does not fall into scripture's right. basis for yeah. divorce. So, and of course, the Apostle Paul spoke on this as well, that there there were other concessions made for divorce 
in the Judeo-Christian world in the, the first century. And we'll continue on, though. Verse 13, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them, but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with the disciples, and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. It's interesting. We're always trying to get our kids to act like adults, and Jesus is trying to get these adults yeah. to act like children. Right. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. That is that sense of trust. Dependency. That, yeah. And that's what we show when we worship. When we sing, we lift our hands. It's that. It's like a child. We're worshiping. Like a child lifting their hands up to, to, the, God. to yeah. their father or their mother. And then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. And as Jesus was starting uh, out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he knows he, he called him good teacher. So Jesus says, why, why call me good? He's trying to get him to acknowledge something. He says, only God is truly good. You recognize me as being God. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. The teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Well, <laughs> we know that wasn't absolutely true, that he, he, he broke some. But looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He was actually pointing out how he broke one, the first and most important commandments, not to have any other gods yeah. before me. It was his stuff. Yeah. And that, that was his idol, his stuff, his things. And that this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Which was, a, we call this a hyperbole that he's using, an exaggerated expression. And yet he's pointing out the fact that when you have a lot of stuff, and that's all of us as Americans, when you have a lot, it's really difficult to let go. And we're supposed to feel dependent. Yeah, mm -hmm. That's why we raise our hands in worship. Like I said earlier, it's also why we fast. is because mm -hmm. we want to feel that dependence on God because we are. Yeah. Just reminding ourselves of that. And having the stuff causes us to feel less dependent on him instead more on those things around us. Yeah. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We're giving up. We've given up everything to follow you. And I kind of like this. It's like after the guy leaves, like, yeah, but look at us. We're mm -hmm. not like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with, per along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Mm. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. You know, and we make this joke, Dad, at church, but I think there is some truth to it as far as like, when we get to heaven, I think people are going to be surprised. It's like, you know, yeah. here I'm a pastor, but like, I, mm -hmm. I think that some of the people working production oh, yeah. for their eight hours, yeah. you know, nobody knows who they are. They're yeah. going to be, um, they'll be up above mm -hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Then they were on their way to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking with them. The disciples were filled with awe and the people following behind them were overwhelmed with fear. Taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen. 
Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, and uh, this is from the walk from Jericho to Jerusalem. You can actually walk that road today. That road mm-hmm. still exists that they were on as they were having this conversation. We're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and to the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They'll mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip, and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Now, what's your request? I mean, what, what timing, right? It's like, hey, guys, I'm about to be slaughtered. Okay, well, yeah. can you do us a favor real quick? Yeah. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. And then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. It is interesting what Jesus did here, though, is, is that he was pointing the way towards the the emphasis on eternity and that's what led to this discussion is they're talking about what's going to happen in, turn, in eternal life. What I always love to think about, though, is these people who here today were talking about heaven and their position with Jesus in heaven, they've been there for a couple of thousand years. Yeah. We're still reading their words today, right. and we're in our humanity here on earth, but this day is coming for us, too. It is. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah, we don't have value because we're in charge. We have value because of how we serve others. And so even those in leadership positions, they add to their eternal value because of the service they do that they do in their position of leadership in serving others, which is what Jesus did. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. He would not be shut up. Then Jesus heard him. He stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called him the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw his coat, jumped up, came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Which, uh, the faith there, what was that faith? Well, actually... When he says my rabbi or rabboni, it, it literally means my master. I mean, the, you know, the Greek wording here is my master. You are my master. The only other person who refers to him that way is Mary Magdalene. And when, after he had risen from the dead and, but he says after, after he says my master, that's that sense of dependence. And then Jesus commends his faith. Yeah. Let's get over to Psalms. Yep. Psalm, I'm just looking up which psalm that is today. We are, uh, yeah, we're in Psalm 21 and 22. 22. So I want to look at Psalm 22. Uh, he talks about praise, about, he, again, it's a psalm of deliverance. And after he has delivered, 
you know, verse 21, his prayer is snatch me from the lion's jaw and from the horns of these wild oxen. And then verse 22, then I will declare the wonder of your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among all your people. And down in verse 25, I will praise you among all the people. I'll fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. You know, those who have genuinely been delivered by God, they've been rescued by God. Their, their sins have been forgiven. Their lives have been transformed. They are not going to be shy about declaring the goodness of God to the people around them. That's right. It's not going to be weird to them. No. All right. Well, today is National Take the Stairs Day. And so if you have an office building and you tend to take the elevator, give the stairs a shot. Yeah, it's a good time of the year because we're not getting a lot of exercise in the winter That's unless right. you're going to the gym. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a good thing to in do. In college, I, I lived on the 19th floor in <laughs> downtown. And the guys in my dorm, not my floor, but they kept on messing with the elevators. And so our dean. I remember that. Our dean. And I thought it was way too strong. But he came and he's like, all right, no more elevators. I had to take the stairs every time I went to my room. 19 yeah. floors. Yeah, and the guys in the first and second floor were probably the ones messing with the elevators and they didn't have to pay for it. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, hey, make it a good day today and we'll see you tomorrow.